0: All right, it's good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and make your way to John's Gospel. That's where we have been, and we'll be for a while longer, it appears. And I want to talk today about God's promise of peace. And I know that there's not much peace in the world at this time, is there? I mean, all you have to do is turn on the news, and we are a world that has very little peace. And a lot of families are searching for peace. And we need that peace that passes understanding. And I know it is so difficult to find that peace. But God promises us peace. And it's not as the world promises, but it's a peace that's beyond anything imaginable on earth. And God desires to give that to us. But I want to start with a little illustration of this lawyer from New York City came to Arkansas to go deer hunting. And he was kind of an arrogant fellow, and uh, he shot a deer. But the only problem was that deer was across the fence on this farmer's property. And he starts to cross the fence, and the farmer said, You're not allowed on my property. He said, What do you mean I'm not allowed on your property? That's my deer. He said, You're not allowed on my property. He said, I'm getting my deer one way or another. And he said, Well, I'll tell you what, we have this three-kick rule in Arkansas. And the lawyer said, well, what's the three-kick rule? He said, well, the three-kick rule is this. I kick you three times. You kick me three times. We keep doing it until one of us gives. And uh, the uh, lawyer looked at the old man. He said, well, you know, I'm a lot younger than that guy. So let's uh, let's do it. So the uh, farmer kicks him in the shin. And he reaches to grab his shin. He kicks him in the chin. He falls back and then he kicks him in the belly. And the lawyer's trying to get his breath, and he said, now, it's home. He gets up, and the farmer said, ah, you can have your deer, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the last few years, because of COVID, because of uncertainties, because of all the problems, it feels like we've been kicked, doesn't it? And uh, I tell you, it's just been difficult to find any normalcy and to find peace, and a lot of people are struggling. And I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately, but if you have, you know when you walk to the checkout counter, you're not going to have much peace because of the price that you're going to pay. Amen? And gasoline. Uh, being in, in, in Alaska, it was almost $6 a gallon. But you know what it didn't cause? People to stop going. There were more RVs in Alaska than anywhere I've seen in my entire life. But everybody was complaining about the cost of food and fuel and lodging and everything else. But even though it feels like we've been kicked around in the past couple of years, we're not out. We may be down, but we're not out. Just like the disciples there in the upper room in John chapter 14, we know that Jesus says in the first part of the chapter, let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you, and if I do, I'm going to come and receive you to myself. Where I am there, you may be also. And then he continues to give this 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 peace that comes in John chapter fourteen, and as he makes his way toward the end of that, we know that we're in the still in the upper room. We're about to exit the upper room, and they've had the last supper, and uh, Jesus has been trying to encourage them with these last words before he goes to the cross, gives up his life for them and all of the world. And uh, he knew they were very unsettled; they were shaken. Because Jesus had been there with them the last three and a half years. And now he says, you know what, I'm going to go away. And if I go away, I will come again. But they didn't want him to go. And Jesus uttered these powerful words. If you'll stand with me, we're going to read verses number 27 through 31 in John chapter 14. Jesus says this. I mean, when your heart's troubled, what do you need? You need peace, right? You need peace. Peace. And, and, and Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and has nothing in me, but the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do, and then he says these words, arise Let us go from here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just give us peace. And those listening, Lord, on the internet or whatever device they're using, I pray, Lord, that you would just give a peace that passes understanding. Help us, Father, to realize that true peace comes through you and you give that peace freely. And Father, I desire today, if there's someone here who does not have the peace of Christ in their life, Lord, they would seek you and come to you today and give their lives to you and find that peace that only you can provide. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Those last few words of Jesus there, he said, Arise, let us go from here. And when Jesus... said Arise, let us go from here. What he was saying is, all right, we're going to exit the upper room. We're going to walk down the Kidron Valley. We're going to make the half-mile trek up to the Mount of Olives. And then we'll be in Gethsemane. And in Gethsemane, we're going to pray. Because it's in Gethsemane that he knows, but the disciples do not know, but he knows that he will be betrayed. He will be arrested and the cycle will be set in motion for him to lose his life the very next day. Now imagine as they're making their way through that. there are many vineyards that they're going through, and I'm sure that Jesus continues to teach them and talk to them about what's going to happen, and because it's not because of the uncertainty, because of what Jesus has said to them, that they're nervous. and they 're like, "Well what are we going to do? We know we're going to pray, but what does all this mean? And there's this measure of frustration. Now, we need the promise to replace the frustration that's in our lives. Because we say, will things ever change? And then in verse 27, he says these words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. But listen, let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. Now, let me ask you a question. In the last few years, because of all that's transpired, have you felt, and be honest, a little bit of fear? Just just be honest with me, okay? Listen, there's a reason. There's a reason to fear. But that peace of God can come and replace that fear when we trust Him with all of our lives and all of our heart. Now what is the difference between the fear, or the, the, the fear that the world gives and the peace that God gives? Or what about the different? What's the difference between the peace that the world offers and the peace that the Lord offers? Well, basically, the world says this about peace. It is the absence of conflict. That's peace. That's what the world says, but that's not what the Lord says. Peace, listen to me, peace of God is the gift of the serenity in the midst of problems in life. He gives us that calm. He gives us that peace. He gives us that certainty that we're gonna make it through to the other side and will not be overwhelmed by what we are going through. You know, in recorded human history, of the 4,000 years of recorded human history, there have only been 200 years where there have been peace. A measure of peace, which is the absence of conflict, the absence of war. Can you imagine that? And think right now, what's going on presently? What what do we see? We see on signs, pray for Ukraine. Pray for Ukraine. We we see it on the news. And listen, there's a war going on, and there always will be a war going on until the Lord comes and says, listen, I am now taking over. Well, there was a lady that uh, she got so upset about the conflicts in the world and the uncertainties in the world. She went to her counselor and she said to her counselor, listen, uh, I've got to have some peace. How do I get peace? And and, uh, she told the woman how to have peace. And the therapist said to her, listen, if you need inner peace, what you need to do is when you start something, finish it. And she said, I have been in such peace today because I finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake. Listen, what we need to do is realize God offers that peace, and only God can give that peace. And and I don't want you to understand something. We all go through struggles. We all come to those places where we feel that absence of of peace and and we need the presence of God during that time. But it's passing through a crisis. And and I know that that you may be in a crisis that I don't even know about, but I want you to know as you're, you're going through that storm, God will be with you through the storm. And one person said it like this, that either you are in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're going into a storm. And that's kind of like life, isn't it? I mean, there's always things in the life that are going on that cause anxiety and the lack of peace. Now, three ways to claim the promise of God's peace. Number one, first, know that God is there. Know that God is there with you. He sees what you're facing. Listen, in Psalm 139, watch these words. O Lord. You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You completed, you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Now, you know what the psalmist is saying? God's always with us. God is always with us regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what we're going through. He knows and sees what we are facing. So listen, we don't need to throw up our hands and say, where are you, God? Because God is right there with us. He knows we need peace and He provides that peace for us. Many of you may have never heard the name Cory Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany for many years. She lost her entire family. Her sister died and uh, her parents died. But somehow she made it through that concentration camp. And I want to quote what she said concerning that. She said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. I mean, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, God is there with you. So when you find yourself fearful, when you find yourself anxious, as the disciples were in John chapter 14, listen, understand that God is still present with you, and He's not going to leave you, and He's not going to go away. Listen. Paul wrote these words from a dungeon. He was shackled to a guard. In the book of Philippians, he says these words in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Now, I wish I could be anxious for nothing. And I pray, Lord, don't make me anxious. I, I don't want to be anxious. But in everything, what should we do rather than being anxious and upset? By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Listen, what you do is you give thanks during times of trial and adversity. Let your request be made known to God. And here's what will happen the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I found this, and I thought I, w- I just wanted to read it to you. There was an American theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr, and uh, he, he wrote the serenity prayer. And many of you have heard that prayer and know. And he said, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's a great prayer, isn't it? That's a great prayer, the serenity prayer. Now, someone wrote a parody to that. I don't know who it was, but it's called the senility prayer. <laughs> Which says, God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway. The good fortune to run into the ones that I do. And the eyesight to know the difference. <laughs> I thought that was, that was a pretty good word there. God's eyesight is perfect. He sees everything. He knows everything. He understands what you're facing. And He is right there with you. What you have to do is trust Him. You are not going through whatever trial you're going through alone. He sees And he knows. There is no, oh no, I didn't see that coming in heaven. He knows it all. He sees it all. He understands it all. Second thing I want you to understand from our text is this. Know that God is aware. He knows what you're fearing. Listen. He knows it. He sees it. He knows it. I mean, there's a high stress level in a lot of people today. I mean, uh, if, if you uh, uh, if your main source of revenue of the Social Security is coming from your stock market, your 401 or 403B or whatever you have, listen, you're a little bit upset because guess what? It's tanking, isn't it? It's dropped almost 15%. And this year alone. And you're looking, man, my dividends are going down, down, down. It's kind of like in a bathtub, you know what? You can hear the water going out and gurgling and sucking down. You're like, that's what's happening to my 401, my portfolio. And some people get really upset concerning that, and I understand. And it causes insomnia. And you know, insomnia is a big problem in America today. And there are over 70 million Americans who are insomniacs. They struggle with sleeping, and they struggle with staying asleep. And by the way, I didn't know this until I did the research, women are more likely than men to have insomnia. And that stress that's there, that, 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 that problem that, you know, we, we just fear and, and all of these things that are going in our lives. And you can't shut your mind off. Have you ever just been in bed and your mind is just racing, running, running? I mean, you're thinking of everything that you've done, everything you had not done, everything you're going to do tomorrow, the fears that you have, all those things in your mind just goes, 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 goes and goes. But as I said, women are more likely than men to have insomnia. Uh, and the re- what what it said it said because men are more left brain than right brain and women are more right brain than left brain and uh, as I was reading I saw this picture and this it, it it showed the picture of of how a lady thinks and how a man thinks and there's these with the woman there's all these configuration of interconnected network of, of circuits and they're always firing, firing, firing. And then a man's brain. A man's brain is like boxes. And there's a, wor- there's a work box, a family box, a hobby box. And then there's this box that's empty. And ladies, you'll often, your, your husband will be sitting there and, and you'll say, what are you thinking? he'll say, nothing. You say, you've got to be thinking something. But look, I'm telling you, there's a box that's empty. Men sometimes don't think anything. You turn to your wife and say, honey, see, it's real. I'm not just ignoring you. And, and, and. <laughs> Your wife will say, it's impossible to think nothing. And you're like, honey, that empty box, remember that. The human brain is an incredible instrument, isn't it? I mean, it starts working the moment that you're born. And it doesn't stop working until you stand up to speak to a crowd. And you just go blank. (laughs) You're like, I don't know what to say. But one reason people have trouble sleeping... Their brain just keeps on working and working and working, bringing up what's happened, what might happen, what may happen tomorrow, what the uncertainty is, what if this happens, what if that happens. Don't you wish your brain had an on and off switch, where at night you could just switch it off. I'm going to sleep and not think anything. But unfortunately, we don't have those switches. But I do have an option for you, and this may help. Change the channel. You say, what? Whatever you're thinking during these times, change the channel. What do you mean change the channel? Well, channel 2 and channel 26 are things that I look at. And here it is. Psalm 4, 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, made me dwell in God, I'm in your hands. The second one is Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is what? Stayed on you. What happens is we get our mind on all of this worldly stuff. We get our mind off of the Lord because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in Yah, that's Yahweh the Lord, is everlasting strength. So what we have to do is say, Lord, I am simply residing in you. God's aware of what you're going through. He's there for you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. Cast all of your cares upon Him because He truly does care for you. There's a third thing that I see in our text I want to bring out. And uh, you need to know that God cares. You just need to know that He cares. He knows how you're feeling. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, but yet without sin. You see, worry and fear are sins because it's a lack of trust. And we need to trust the Master and we need to release those fears, anxieties, and worries to Him. Now, I remember the story in in, in Mark chapter 4. The disciples were in the midst of a storm and Jesus was asleep in the bow of the boat and and the thunder and the lightning and the waves and all that was was going on. And they were certain, and and these were fishermen, they they had experienced this before, but they were certain they were going to perish. And so finally they go to Jesus in Mark chapter 4 verse 38 and they said to Him, Teacher! Do you not care that we are perishing? Well, that's probably a good question at the time. Lord, you're asleep at the wheel and we're about to drown here. We know you can walk on water, but Peter tried it and he failed. And Listen, there's a storm out there and I I don't want to drown today. Don't you care, Lord? I think that's a real honest question. Don't you care, Lord? And I've heard people ask, ask that before in the midst of a loss. God, don't you care that I'm hurting? God, don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you realize the pain that I'm experiencing? God, don't you care? We may be saying today, some people that have to travel for their their job, you may be saying, Lord, don't you care that I can't even buy gas to get to my work? Or don't you care that we don't have enough food for the month? Or don't, don't you care... That we're struggling to pay our mortgage. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Lord, where are you? He does care. He does care. But listen to me. Sometimes God calms the storms in your life. But more often what He does, He calms our hearts in the midst of the storms. And that's what we need. That's God's cure for heart trouble. How much does God care for you? Watch this in Isaiah forty-nine. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You know what God says when I when I hold out my hands, I see your name. I see your name, and I think of you. Have you ever written something on the palm of your hand? I have. And I've stood right back here and done a number of weddings. And standing right here, every now and then the couple will say, we want to say our own vows. And uh, you'll see a guy do this. And he'll look down and he's trying to remember what he wrote because he can't remember. I mean, grooms are pretty nervous when they get married. Brides are too. But it seems like grooms, that box, you know, that empty box, that thing just happens. And... uh, This one time, this guy looks at his palm and all it was was a blue blob because you sweat. And all that ink was just turned into a blue blob. And it was time for his vows and and, uh, he was so nervous and finally he just blurted out, all I can say is I love you. But you know, that's enough, isn't it? All I can say is I love you. Now, Jesus has nail prints in his hands that say, I love you and listen to me. That's enough to know that he loves us and he will calm our hearts in the midst of the storms. Now remember the setting of John chapter 14. So last night that he will be with his disciples before he's crucified the next day. Jesus is going to go into the garden of Gethsemane. He's going to teach them. And he's going to give them some last words that he will ever say before going to the cross. And then he will pray this high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. But prior to that in John chapter 16 verse 33 Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you. What things? Well, these things this night that I've been with you. We've been in the upper room. We've we've had the Passover meal. I've taught you. Judas has gone out to betray me. These things I have spoken to you that, listen, the key words, two words, in me, you may have peace. Now, let's say in the world. He said in me. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Two key words there, remember, in me. When you're in Jesus, Jesus is in you. Listen, the Prince of Peace is going to direct your steps and he's going to keep you in perfect peace. It's a supernatural peace. Listen, you need peace? God promises to give it to you. If you're struggling, listen. Whatever storm you're facing, God says to these, to you these words. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you need the peace of God that Jesus offers, we have what we call an invitation. And that invitation is a time for you to come and say, I need that peace. I want that perfect peace. Whether it be in your family for salvation, whether it be for your country, whether it be for the price of things, or whatever it might be. It's an opportunity to come and just pray. But if you need to come and give your life to the Lord, this is your opportunity to find that peace in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for the perfect peace that you provide. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, many years ago you gave that peace to me through salvation. And, Father, you have given it so many times throughout my life. And I know there are many others here who have experienced that as well. And, Father, they just depend upon you, trust you, and rely upon your incredible, amazing grace. So I pray now, Father, for anyone that's struggling, whatever the reason, they may come to the altar and lay it there and leave it with you and find that perfect peace in you. And others, Lord, that may need to come and give their life to you, I pray today they would. Father, whatever the need, help us to seek peace, real peace from you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.